putting my own on. Log Talk Radio. Time to relax. You know what that means. It's time for a rollicking good time because today's show is all about death. <laughs> Lots of death talk. <laughs> uh, it's another episode of the Original Janksters. I'm Kevin Jank. I'm Peter Jank. Yeah, we're back. Again. I'm we're sorry, doing everyone. it. <laughs> yeah. You weren't good boys and girls this week. That's why we had to come back and do another show. This is your punishment. Yep. Just take it. Now we need to spank you. <laughs> yep, that's what this show is. The audio equivalent of spankings. Yep. We're Especially spank uh, your ears and our <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of spankings, this week we're going to be talking about uh, uh, the next installment of the Friday the 13th series, um, which, boy, that was tough to get through, I gotta say. Even though I feel like it was actually kind of a shortish movie, um, and not a whole lot happened through most of it, uh, it it felt like it dragged on forever. (laughs) But we're continuing our look at the franchise, and right now we're up to part nine, technically, uh, although it's just called Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, um, which if you're confused by why the title is that and not Friday the 13th, Part 9 or whatever, uh, apparently this was at the point where ever since Part 7 they had talked about doing a crossover with Freddy and Jason, and they wanted to do it at that point, but they still they couldn't get the script worked out. Uh, so by this point they really wanted to do it, but it got pushed yet again. <laughs> But they had worked out a deal where Paramount, who owns the franchise before this, would lease the character of Jason Voorhees to New Line Cinemas, which is the studio that did all the, uh, you know, the Freddy movies, the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Uh, so he, they leased them the character of Jason, but not the title of Friday the 13th. So they couldn't use that at all, but they could use the character of Jason as much as they want, basically. <laughs> In one of those weird boy, did they Hollywood that deals up. that don't make any sense. <laughs> so this one seems very, uh, it's a new studio. It seems very, I don't know, like cheaply made and not like any of the other Friday the 13th movies. So it's got that going yep. for it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Also, they call it Jason Goes to Hell, but, you know, you, you would kind of think, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like, Jason's going to go to hell and, like, battle all kind of demons and shit. It's going to be badass, but no. <laughs> really, that title is just a spoiler, I guess, for the end of the movie, which is all what you always want to do with your title is spoil what the end of the movie is. 
That's true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I was wondering why I was called that the entire time, but yeah, no, I didn't even realize. Yeah. They're <laughs> just like, yep, you know what's going to happen right at the end here. Um, yeah, so uh, it was bad times, but why don't you uh, give everyone a breakdown of what happened in this uh, this exciting installment <laughs> of the Jason Voorhees saga. All righty, so pretty much what happens in this one. I'll tell you right now that this is one that... Now, I watched the whole thing yesterday, and this is easily almost an instant forgettable. Now, so here we go. Yeah. So this movie... Let me see if I remember how it's... Oh, so it starts off with a woman... I know how it cabin. starts. I like the beginning, actually. The beginning's okay. I don't mind the beginning. Uh, but it starts off with a woman in a cabin, and she's about to jump in the shower. And uh, Jason uh, shows up. This is all on uh, Crystal Lake. So Jason shows up, and she takes off running, and she's running through a field while Jason's pretty much just kind of trawling after or trawling after her. So... Uh, she runs into this open field that's surrounded by lights, and as soon as she gets there, she dashes off because the lights all come on, and everybody uh, in the forest, all these like agents, maybe police or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly FBI agents, I guess they said later on. Uh, they just open fire on them and just blow Jason to smithereens. I do want to start off by saying. This is by far one of the weirdest-looking Jasons I've ever seen. I'm not entirely <laughs> oh, sure God. what the fuck happened with his head or why his mask <laughs> is now imprinted in his face. But Yeah, uh, it's such a weird choice. Like, he's so bloated in the head now that the mask is just imprinted into his face, and it's, like, very tiny compared to the rest of his head, which is, like, bulging and kind of looks like, you know, like a slightly smaller version of the leader from the Hulk. Like, where this brain gets super huge. He's just got weird lesions, and he's got, like, a very fat face that's kind of busting out the sides of the mask. The mask is, like, gray, which too, will... which they don't really explain. Yeah. Which I guess the really toxic waste in the last one, like, changed colors of the mask. You're going to end up seeing pretty much 0% of Jason throughout the rest of this movie. So it doesn't matter what we're even <laughs> saying anymore. So yeah, uh, true. they blow the smithereens out of Jason, and he explodes, and he's just shot into pieces. And uh, I will say that one guy who shot, I think, a rocket or something at him, like explodes behind yeah. Jason, which does not really <laughs> make Jason move at all. He just kind of, like, dances in place. <laughs> I was so I confused that was by that. Choice. <laughs> it didn't look like a rocket actually came out of it. It seemed more like it was an airstrike, just a very tiny, very tiny pinpointed airstrike. <laughs> oh, it was weird, but it was very confusing. But I did like the fact that they finally like were like, "All right, we need to do something about this Jason problem. Let's get a task force together <laughs> of people with tons of weapons," which is what they should have done probably years ago. Is actually not just have like, yep. oh, we're going to send some counselors out there who are probably going to get killed because they don't have any weapons. Like, no, let's just send the whole fucking might of the government after Jason and really fucking take this guy apart. Like, that's smart. And I like the way that they yep. use, like, a girl getting in a shower in a cabin as bait <laughs> because that does seem to be Jason's she got MO. She naked and everything. <laughs> yep. It was weird. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, so then... We're we're moving on to uh, the morgue essentially, which is in kind of like this 
security uh, guarded kind of like hospital or whatnot because, you know, they didn't want people, I guess, impressed. I don't know. But they uh, they got this doctor who comes in. Oh, before that, there's this black guy in the forest. I think he just says the words no or something. And it's just like, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's something like it's not that easy or something like that or not yeah. not this way which, or something like that. I don't know. Which, which I'm not entirely sure what he's talking about or how he knows any of this. So, and throughout the movie, that will leave you just as confused because he will show up again and you'll still be wondering how the fuck does he know any of this? But, yep. Whatever. Apparently, from what I was, I was reading up a little bit, it sounds like they meant to have more backstory for him that got left out as per usual. Stuff where like he was like a teenager and like his girlfriend and him were out on Crystal Lake and she got pulled under and killed by Jason. So he spent all this time, you know, learning all he can about him and fucking planning all this shit to finally kill him and all that kind of stuff. Which we don't really get much backstory on that at all. Um, but that being said, Creighton Duke is probably my favorite character in this whole movie. <laughs> because he's just so fucking weird. Oh, God. Oh, whatever. So, <laughs> I hated that guy. <laughs> I don't understand the point of him. Maybe if there was a backstory, it would have been good. But honestly, it just left me with, like, more questions than answers, I guess. Because I was just like, well, who the fuck yeah. is this guy? And how does he know about any of this shit? And who the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yep, that's a good point. Oh, I just didn't like this guy. Anyways, so we're brought to the morgue, and uh, there is a uh, the doctor who comes in to examine the body and stuff like that. At this point, I can't remember his name, and who gives a fuck about that either? Yeah. Um, but he comes <laughs> really in important. to examine him and pretty much just do the autopsy, which has been done, honestly, already. And uh, <laughs> uh, so he's going through. Actually, I think they didn't do the autopsy before because they brought him to the morgue in part four. Remember, they were too busy, like, dicking around watching aerobics videos and shit. <laughs> I don't if they ever actually well, did no. the, aut- the autopsy. Well, what I meant he was just kind of like, waiting in there. Most, most of the time when they people do an autopsy, they take the body apart so they can kind of separate the organs. But I feel like that's already been done by oh, like yeah, fire yeah. and explosions. <laughs> so um, They had to determine cause of death. <laughs> yeah. We don't want yeah, to jump to conclusions and say it was rockets, but it was probably rockets. The doctor goes in there, and he's examining all the body parts and the stuff like that, but he notices the heart is, like, pumping for some reason. So the only thing he can think of when he sees that heart is just staring at it. It's like, oh, that's weird. It's just pumping. I'm going to eat it. So then he eats it. <laughs> and uh, I guess that after his, you know, little lunch lunchtime break time that he had, uh, he turns into the only thing I can think of is a demon because yeah, it's not Jason. I'll tell you why it's not Jason. And we'll get to that later, but it's not Jason. So, well, uh, it is Jason. It's Jason no, inhabiting it's his body. I'm not going to take that as an answer because that's impossible for <laughs> that to even make sense because we see the demon later. We see the demon that comes out later. So, um, But when he looks in the mirror, so, it's Jason. Oh. I'm going to pretend he doesn't look in the mirror then because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so... Uh, so we see him, uh, you know, slowly turn into Jason, I guess. 
but he doesn't turn into Jason. It's she's just Jason's within him, so he's just taking on the killing characteristics of Jason. So one of his assistants yeah, comes in. Yeah, he kind of looks like a zombie form of himself, kind of. Like the kind of like decaying and weird looking, but mostly just looks like himself. Yeah. This is where most of the movie starts to blur together because this is where I really stopped caring about this movie. So, <laughs> um, so he kills his assistant. I did like there, though at the at uh, the morgue that uh, one of the security guards they had Kane Hodder play like a, one of the security guards. So he was doing a lot of stuff in this movie. Besides playing Jason, he was also playing one of the security guards. Oh, that was him, wasn't it? I didn't even yeah. realize that, but yeah, you're right. Oh, I knew he looked familiar. Okay, well, that's cool. Well, that's neat. So, anywho, um, the black guy the black guy is now on the loose with this killing spree. He also killed the two guards or whatnot. But anyways, then we're shot to a scene with uh, kids driving in a car. I don't remember exactly why that one main character guy is driving in the car with them, but... Uh, they're on their way to camp. Oh, you know, I think this was uh, after there's a part where they, I think, no, first they go to the diner. We're kind of introduced to the diner. And at one point oh, during yeah. that scene, the the mom of the daughter of the lady we see we meet later tells the, the guy, her, her, like her daughter's ex-boyfriend, who is the, you know, the daughter of her granddaughter or the, the father of her granddaughter. He's just like, well, if you want to make things right with my daughter, you know, meet up with me later after my shift, and I'll tell you all this stuff. And that's where he's going later when he meets those people on the road. Gotcha. Um, so basically what ends up happening, I, I do like the diner people. I really like that lady yeah. and Pookie. Those were the two yes, greatest characters. I love that little guy. Me. That guy was fantastic and I was very very sad when he met his demise in the end of the movie <laughs> I oh know I've God, seen him man, in other stuff but I can't better. think of what but he was great yep agreed uh, but anyway so uh, we see we see uh, oh god damn what's it called uh, the, the one main character kid whatever his name is he's driving some teenagers to a lake in a well, Camp Crystal Lake and he says the words are you going to go do some uh, you're going to smoke some drugs, have premarital sex, and then get slaughtered. And they're like, oh, man, I can't remember. I don't give a fuck. This whole movie was shit. <laughs> oh, they're like, the I think they said, like, we're going to go smoke some drugs, have premarital sex, and not worry about getting slaughtered. Because Jason's yeah. dead. Woo! Spring break. Yep. So they go to the lake, set up a tent, and then the black guy, for some reason... For some reason, left the hospital to go straight back to Camp Crystal Lake to go kill these people. It's like he sensed that there were people tromping on his area, so he's like, "Oh no, can't do it. <laughs> Got to kill he's these Jason." <laughs> I know you don't want to admit it, but he's Jason right now. <laughs> nah, he's a demon. He's a demon. <laughs> so then, uh, uh, oh, penis. That's not good. Um. <laughs> Oh, during this is about the time where uh, we uh, apparently the director must have been obsessed with girls peeing because both of the girls take like pee breaks within a minute of each other, and they really linger on it. <laughs> it's really weird. So I think he's got a bit of a fetish. <laughs> Which whatever, to each their own, I suppose. <laughs> um. 
man. All right. So now we're trying to remember what what the fuck happens after that. Well, Kevin, you take it um, away. That kind yeah. of blurs right there. <laughs> I think. Let's see. After that. At some point, he jumps from the the morgue doctor's body into, I believe, one of the cops' bodies. Um, oh, yeah, because he, he kills one of the cops and his girlfriend outside of the diner. Takes over the cops' body now, because uh, he's basically hopping from body to body at this point, which we kind of find out in a little bit that... He can't get in – most people's bodies are, you know, uninhabitable for long periods of time because they start to break down and, and um, you know, wear away. So he can only stay in people's bodies for a short amount of time this way unless it's a very specific body, uh, which we'll get into <laughs> later on. But So the, uh, the diner is closing down. The mom is going home to, to meet with the, the, uh, her daughter's ex-boyfriend to kind of fill him in on the story. Uh, she gets home, and this cop guy shows up and attacks her, and some weird black thing is coming out of his mouth, <laughs> like a yep. gross tongue trying to go into her body, when uh, the daughter's ex-boyfriend shows up, the main guy, and kind of tackles him off, and I think what what exactly happens there? I know the mom does get killed. And, yep, and he I goes think into, he just kind of falls into like a the basement or something like that. Oh yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yep. And then basically the cops show up and you know see her dead and <laughs> the uh, the daughter's ex boyfriend being there and they're like, "Oh, you're going to jail." And they throw him in jail in a cell yeah. right next to uh, our boy Creighton Duke. Who I can't remember why he was there. I know he was kind of giving people a hard time at the diner earlier, but I don't remember that they arrested him at that point. So maybe that was just something they, they cut out where he, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure why he was yep. in the cell next to him, but for some reason he was. And uh, he's the daughter's ex-boyfriend wants, you know, some kind of an answer as to what the hell is going on, obviously. And Creighton Duke's like, I got answers, then I could tell you, but it's going to cost you. And for some reason... <laughs> What he wants out of this exchange is to break this guy's fingers one by one. <laughs> For each answer he wants, he has to, like, break one of his fingers. It seems like a good payoff to me or a trade-off to me. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, especially when, like, that guy is going to be ending up, you know, helping you later trying to kill Jason. You'd probably want him with his fingers intact. <laughs> He'd probably be of more use. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand that part at all. But yeah, one by one, he's telling them <laughs> bullshit about how there's uh, Jason has uh, had a sister, and that sister yeah. was still living, and then that sister had a kid who also then had a kid. Oh God, what a fucking shit movie! <laughs> and then um, yeah, the diner waitress who got killed, out- the the mom, was Jason's sister apparently, which. I mean, fucking, it's way too late in the series to be bringing stuff up like that. Like, oh, he had a sister that no one knew about. That was never, never mentioned when anybody talked one. about Mrs. Voorhees and stuff in the past. She had another kid. Yeah. <laughs> God, man. So that's kind of kind of bullshit. God, I hate this movie so bad. 
so then, um, <laughs> they also bring up other things that they shouldn't be introducing at this point, like, oh, Jason can live on in different bodies. Apparently that's why the doctor ate his heart, is because if you anybody who ingests Jason's heart will become Jason, but he can only live on through a family member. Uh, if a family member does it, then he can keep that body forever and it'll just become Jason again, even if it's a, a woman or a baby. He just becomes full-grown Jason. And- <laughs> and it, yeah, it is exactly full-grown Jason, as if nothing had ever yeah. changed five minutes yep. before the the gunfire. But it still, with like the normal with Jason the axe wound in the like fucking the mask, <laughs> that's just part of him for oh, some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, or just the mask in general. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! This it's movie. absolutely bizarre. So, anyways, um, uh, so there's a lot of back and forth, which we've already seen kind of in, I think five, uh, maybe six. Where it was <laughs> oh like, yeah, you're in and out of the police, and you're dealing with the police a lot, and it's you know the guy's friend, and it's a lot of back and forth with that for a while, and so. Uh, yeah. And Jason keeps going in and out of bodies, and nobody's kind of exactly sure which body is actually inhabited by Jason at a certain point to where the main chick, well, the one chick, and I wouldn't say she's a main chick. I don't even know if there are any yeah. characters. She doesn't even come into the movie until like halfway through. But So we're, we're kind of introduced to the chick uh, meeting up with one of the sheriffs, I think, who we thought was dead. But uh, she, he's like, oh, please give me the baby or give me the dagger. Oh, God, did we talk about the dagger, the magic dagger? <laughs> Not yet. I don't. Super did they mention that till the end? When that... Yeah, that, that's at the very end. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> the crazy magic dagger. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I don't know what part we're on because it's yeah, all it's so hard to make sense of all this. Um, well, so she comes back. She, for so, I don't even know why her and the one dude were broken up, but she fucking apparently hates him. Uh, she didn't even tell them that tell like help tell him that she had the baby and stuff. Like, she's basically like, I, telling her mom, I don't want to see him. Like. He could see the baby, I guess, but she just, like, fucking hates him for... doesn't seem like any good reason. doesn't seem like he was, like, beating her or anything like that. She just fucking hates the shit out of him and <laughs> apparently didn't even inform him that they had a baby. <laughs> but Which she I comes back to town. Illegal. She's now... Yeah. <laughs> She's apparently dating this guy who was working for a new... Like, a hard copy type news organization where they were doing all these... Jason exploitation pieces and clearly he is, you know, just an asshole who's trying to take advantage of her and use her connection to Jason to, you know, get ratings and that kind of stuff. So at one point he is in the old Voorhees house and the ex-boyfriend, the main guy, follows him there and they kind of, he kind of sees what happens to the new boyfriend where the new boyfriend basically becomes the new body of uh, Jason Although there's an important oh, thing in this scene, yeah. apparently, <laughs> that I didn't even like realize because I don't think I was looking at the time. But apparently, in this part where they're in the old Voorhees house, they're like on the desk when the guys like looking through the papers on the desk and stuff. Like the Necronomicon from Evil Dead is there. 
What? Yeah. I went back and watched it again. I'm like, holy shit, it is. <laughs> and, like, apparently this is a thing where sh- the director of this movie had intended for this to uh, basically be a crossover with the Evil Dead in a way where that was the backstory of Jason is that Jason's mom was, you know, so upset about his death that she read from the Necronomicon and brought Jason back as a deadite, basically. <laughs> and that would basically explain why he was a little boy and then all of a sudden a full-grown man and shit like that. Because he's, you know, he's basically just a fucking deadite from the Necronomicon. <laughs> and apparently Sam Raimi liked this idea. They just couldn't make it official in the movie because it was, you know, Evil Dead was owned by yet another studio, so they didn't have rights to that kind of thing. But he said that was basically his intention all along. Oh. I'm not even yeah. angry about that. Yeah, that actually kind of makes, like, good sense, and I kind of like the crossover. <laughs> yep. That would have been good. But here we are. We're left yep. with this hunk of ass. With no explanation <laughs> still. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, this um, guy but I think yeah, this, after everybody. Yeah, now. the. Oh, you can keep going. I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate it worse than the other one. <laughs> uh, so let's see what's happening at this point. Oh, the so that new boyfriend is now Jason. He goes to you know find the daughter who is at the police station for some reason. Um, and the ex-boyfriend follows along. He ends up saving her from the new boyfriend, which, you know, at first the lady's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, no, that's my boyfriend. And he's like, no, 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 it's not him anymore, blah, blah, blah. But she finally starts believing him once he's, like, killing a bunch of cops and this kind of stuff. Um, so they end up escaping, and they go, you know, on the run with the baby and stuff. Or they don't even have the baby at this point. I think that her friend is watching the baby at the diner. Uh, so they go yep. to, over to the diner to pick up the baby and, you know, get back on the run again, try to get away from the new Jason. Uh, the new Jason shows up at the diner, kills pretty much everyone there, including yep. our beloved uh, little little cook guy <laughs> and the fat lady. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, uh, so most of the uh, the deaths in this were not spectacular. Um, Although the fat lady, I would say, that's probably going to be my my favorite one. I would say (laughs) there were some good, some really good uh, makeup effects in this movie. Other than Jason looking crazy with the fucking tumor head. Yep, that was bad. But so basically the the guy and the girl and the baby, they're on the run and they run across Creighton Duke, who's like, I'm going to help you kill Jason. We got to finish this once and for all. He's like, I got this magic dagger and you've got to kill him because he can only be killed by one you know member of his own family. Another Voorhees has to kill him. So they go to the old house and they... Oh, the house that the mom lived in, basically, which I think is the same house, but I don't even, I can't even keep track anymore. <laughs> no so they're having a fight with whoever's body Jason's in at that point. Um, the, he tries to get into the baby, but they manage to stop him. 
And then they're like, they kind of, I think, kick that guy down to the basement where the mom's body is. And the guy's just kind of asking Creighton Duke, like, uh, when you said he has to get into, you know, another Voorhees' body, does it have to be a live body? And then they just kind of look at each other and like, oh, shit. And so Jason has gotten into the mom's body and turned into regular Jason now, finally. <laughs> yep, full-blown Jason at this point. Yep. Out of a woman's body, <laughs> full-blown Jason. <laughs> Which is very bizarre, but whatever. Can't judge. Transgenders are transgenders. <laughs> oh, I can judge. <laughs> And so they start fighting again. Creighton Duke gets killed somehow. I don't even remember. Uh, but <laughs> his his very strange either. role in this is finally over. Oh, um, I, yeah, no, he was uh, he was hugged to death. <laughs> That's probably why I don't remember. Probably blocked that out. <laughs> yeah, Jason picks him up and then hugs him to death and breaks his bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic Jason right there. Yeah. <laughs> Always hugging. This is probably about the time Barney started, so he's probably taking some lessons from Barney. Yep. That's true. Jesus, that's 93. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then the Jason's trying to kill the the main guy and from behind, the daughter comes up with the knife, stabs Jason. Uh, some really cheap-looking <laughs> red sparkles come out. <laughs> it looks really terrible. Oh, no, he turns into a human Roman candle. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, that's so true. And he basically gets sucked down through the dirt goes down into hell, like quite literally, I guess, and then he goes into the earth, <laughs> and his soul gets dragged away to hell. Um, at last, the curse of Jason is finally over until the next one. <laughs> the, the guy and the girl and the baby, they kind of escape. They go off to do whatever. I don't even know if they're back together or what. No one really cares. Um, but then we cut back to that same spot where Jason went down, and some of the dirt is starting to blow away, and we see Jason's mask lying there, empty, and then a hand comes out of the dirt, wearing a razor hand. glove. <laughs> yeah, Freddy Krueger's hand grabs the mask and pulls it back down to hell. Yep, and that's the only good yeah. part of that movie. It's true. That is by far the best part. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, this is going to be amazing. Fucking, like, Jason and Freddy are going to have, like, some fucking war in hell. And, like, maybe the devil will send them back and be like, whoever can kill the most people will be my new emissary. And that's going to be fucking Freddy versus Jason. But, unfortunately, they didn't do that. They kind of made some <laughs> other shitty thing where... It really had nothing to do with hell or anything like that. That's correct. <laughs> Could have been some, like, Spawn-esque type thing, but no. It was just like, yep, we're just going to make a regular uh, Freddy and Jason movie, and then they're going to fight, and nothing will come of it because neither of them can really be hurt. 
Very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Someone made me poop my pants just laughing like that. <laughs> so yeah, this was supposed to be the end, I guess, until Freddy vs. Jason, which didn't happen for another ten years. Even after this. It was the longest fucking like gestating movie I've ever heard of. And even then they're like, yep. This is the script you came up with after fucking fifteen years <laughs> at least. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> there had to be better ideas out there. No, what? That was the one. <laughs> that was their go-to. <laughs> oh man. Let's see. Is there anything else that we missed? Um. Oh yeah, the knife. So yeah, I, I don't know if you explained the knife, but yeah, so it has to be killed by a, a fork. But the black guy, Duke, is pretty much explaining to him that they need to be killed by this magical knife that literally appears out of nowhere. It appears <laughs> out of nowhere. This magical knife. So then uh, she grabs the knife and sort of Gryffindor. I, I will say. So there's this one scene in the movie which really pissed me off. So she's trying to stab. Uh, I think it was Jason or something. I don't remember. I don't know if it was Jason yet. I think it was Jason at that point. So she's uh, she drops the knife, and now she's reaching under the dresser. And we keep getting this shot of the knife underneath the dresser and her hand reaching for it, and then it goes back to Jason coming closer, and then back to her reaching under the dresser, trying to reach for the knife. At some point, I don't know what the fuck happened, but she goes to reach for the knife, and now for some reason there is a hole or a crack in the floor to which the knife falls through, and that drove me completely nuts because I saw that scene like five <laughs> times. It just kept going back to her showing, you know, trying to grab the knife, and there was no fucking crack in the ground, but now all of a sudden there's a crack in the ground and the knife falls in it. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It drove me up the wall. That does not surprise me at all in this movie. This is a movie where I think it's the first time they cut to the mom at home. They're like showing the outside. There's a mailbox that says Voorhees, but it's with one O. It's like you couldn't even spell it right on the fucking mailbox. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the kind of attention to detail yeah. this movie has. <laughs> Can't even spell your own name That's right. Horrible. <laughs> oh, bad times. This, uh, this is definitely a tough one to get through. <laughs> All right, Kev, so if you had to rank them, where, where does this one fall? Uh, I think this one's probably dead last. Because, I mean, for Jason's final movie, you'd think there'd be more Jason. <laughs> but there really isn't. Instead, this is the one where it's like, oh, he's going out without barely being in his own movie. What a way to go. Yep. <laughs> so this is probably last, and probably seven would be right above it. What about you? Yep. Oh, seven? Which one was seven? Uh, the telekinesis girl. Mm. Oh, that's right. That's right. That one was shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this was definitely <laughs> dead, dead last. 
dead last. Uh, it's instantly forgettable. <laughs> it pissed. Me. I've never watched a movie and just been pissed off almost the entire time. Um, of <laughs> what they just did with this franchise, they just slapped the. I mean, the franchise just got. It started off bad, and then kind of got mm, okay a little bit, and then went really downhill after that. Um, continuously, yeah. just really just bad. But it was a whole franchise of just shit. All right, it was just a bundle of <laughs> shit. But then this movie decided to take a shit on this shit, which just, it was a slap to the shit's face. So you don't do that. You have to become part of the shit. But this one decided to take shit on shit. Oh, man, it was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was kind of the worst parts of a bunch of the other movies. Like the <laughs> top thing from Six. Just like, I mean, the body jumping, that was just out of nowhere and not a good idea at all. Mm. Especially at this late in the stage, like, oh, Jason's got family and also he can jump body to body. Like, you're nine movies in. You can't just make this stuff up now. (laughs) I'm not buying it. Nope. Nope, nope. Plus, none of that explains how, what happened after the, the last one. Did someone eat the little boy's heart? And that's what happened to them? And that was just a temporary body that they blew up anyway? Yep. None of it's explained. It's it's just a pile of shit. It's a shit on shit. (laughs) Oh, it really was. Not a whole lot good there. No. Um, Well, I guess we'll do the categories. Um, Best final girl, this one seems easy to me. We got Rennie from the last one or Jessica from this one. I mean, I, Jessica did nothing for me. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Think about the last chick. This chick yep. was barely even in this movie. I would say the guy over <laughs> the chick. <laughs> That's a good point. He was definitely in way more of the movie. The movie was an atrocity. <laughs> Uh, best looking girl overall. Hmm. There were there were definitely some contenders. I would say, to me, the the four that stand out would be the lady at the beginning, the bait woman, who was taking a shower. Um, either of those two Crazy. girls in the woods. Yep. Or. Jessica's friend, the one who worked at the diner. Uh, I want to say the chick, one of the chicks in the uh, the woods. I thought the, uh, the specifically the one chick I think that was with the guy was the one I think was cute. I think that's the the, one. Uh, the dark-haired I girl. Know. Yeah, I think one was like blonde and one was like dark-haired. She was the one yeah, with the guy. Yeah, dark-haired girl. Yeah. Hmm. Darky. But, I mean, <laughs> it could go it could go really anywhere. I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'll say this, though, man. So you've, you've never right, well, seen Jason X, we'll just, right? No, I have. Not even that long oh, ago. I think yeah. I finally buckled down and watched it two or three years ago. Okay. I will say, though, I'm looking forward to watching that movie because I actually liked that movie. (laughs) 
I mean, I remember it not being as quite as bad as I expected. I guess I kind of built it up as yep. being, you know, just the worst. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. And yep, I mean, it was exactly. it was something different, but a lot of it is kind of stupid. Like the whole part about Jason got upgraded. Like, fuck that. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, some of the characters I, I thought were at least actually like fun, that. and like there's like that robot girl. Yeah, so True. I thought they did some good stuff, so it won't be all bad. Some of the deaths are amazing in that movie, though. Does it take a That's earth true. stone or plant stone to evolve, or leaf stone to evolve gloom? I forget. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I know in Pokemon Go it doesn't podcast, take anything. Though. Yeah, well, no, Pokemon Go it doesn't take any stones for anything. You just evolve a Pikachu. Into oh, it a does. Like, I know for, uh, like, Blossom, you need a Sunstone, I think. Um, oh, well, that's true-ish. It's a good podcast. Um, hmm. I don't remember. That's a good question. Oh, whatever. I'll look Um, later. Best kill? I think we're going to go with the fat lady, right? Who like got her chin like smushed oh, yeah. back into her face? <laughs> I know. I've never seen that before, and I was very happy to see it. That was great. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I did like that one a lot. Um, best character. I mean, I want to go Creighton Duke, I'm but I could also be talked into the little guy. Yeah, I really like the little guy, man. He really, I mean, Creighton Duke was just <laughs> awkward in this movie. I don't understand why he was even here. <laughs> I forgot one of his best lines. Like, oh, I forget what the question was. Somebody asked him, like, well, what do you see when you look at this or something like that? And he's like, a little girl throwing a, in a red dress, sticking a hot dog through a donut. <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck? that's right. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. No, not at all. But I enjoyed it. <laughs> he had a yep. special brand of craziness. Oh god, that movie. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was tough. He did have a special brand. I By don't the least. Know. I mean, that line was weird, but I don't know who you want to go with. Do you want to go with Duke or Pookie? Uh, we'll go with Pookie. <laughs> we got to give it to Pookie. Dookie Pookie. With a name like that. <laughs> Duke will be yeah. the nice runner-up. I thought he was the perfect, like, uh, like partner for that loud, fat lady. I was like, oh, man, those two <laughs> were meant to be with each other. It's so true. She was so mean, and he was just so, like, soft-spoken and nice. <laughs> I know. But he loved, they loved each other, though. That was the thing. They loved each yeah. other. It was so good. <laughs> I wish the movie was about them and not these other people who were boring. Mm-hmm. Who were boring? Who were boring. Oh. They shouldn't have been boring. Who were boring. That's <laughs> what they get for being born. All right, well, I guess that is Jason Goes to Hell. Um, I think 
for this franchise, it's probably going to be as bad as it gets. I think, like you said, we got we got Freddy, Freddy vs. Jason is next, which isn't great, but it's tolerable. Jason yep. X, you know, not as bad as we would think. <laughs> and the reboot, just kind of meh. So mostly just forgettable entries, I guess, coming up more than anything. Yeah, no, this one is... This one, this one is the worst because I've seen the other three, and this one by far is the worst movie uh, in the franchise easily. Maybe just the worst movie period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one I remember I had seen probably at least once or twice back in the day on probably like Fright Fest or one of those things on AMC where they would just show a bunch of horror movies. And back then, like in college, I thought it was fine because I hadn't seen very many horror movies. So I was just like, oh, I was excited to see a Jason movie and stuff and that kind of thing. But nowadays, now I know better and this is crap. <laughs> Look what you've done to yourself. <laughs> Can't keep doing this, Daniel. Nope. All right, well, before we get into the, uh, I guess, the meat and potatoes of this uh, episode, let's talk a little bit of Weird Al before we get serious. Um, We're up to the fourth album that Weird Al put out in the 80s uh, called Polka Party. And this, Mm. honestly, is a pretty amazing batch of originals. Um, There really aren't any, any stinkers in the bunch. And... I could honestly make a good case for four of them. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about this. We're going to start right. off with the first one. This to me is the one that is probably the weakest of the bunch. It's not It's not bad. It's a pretty good song. It's just not, you know, interstellar type thing. Um, this is a style parody of a specific artist. So we'll see if you can pick out who that artist is. Probably not. I don't know if it's going to happen, but (laughs) yeah, we'll try anyway. Uh, This is a song just kind of about the, you know, working in an office, that type of thing, and the dog-eat-dog world that is business. Um, And this is a song called Dog-Eat-Dog. That sounds familiar, like uh, the type of music. I would definitely focus on that last, like, 30 seconds or so, like the the, uh, 
that yodel kind of thing and the uh ha ha like that's definitely very characteristic of this band uh as is that part where they're like sometimes i tell myself this is not my beautiful stapler like that's a direct reference to one of their songs i don't know if that helps any nope not at all but it wasn't no, about staplers <laughs> oh what if he did that voice singing a song about the road to nowhere <laughs> Oh, it's the Talking Heads. All right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good as as a Talking Heads style song. It definitely feels like one of their tunes, so I like yeah, it for, for that. Sure. Um, this next one, I've actually got two clips for, um, because it's just that amazing. This is one that I don't think it's talked about. Out very often. Um, you definitely don't see it in the rotation on most tours, and it's not like on any of the greatest hits or anything like that, but it's one of my favorites for damn sure. Um, this is a song called One of Those Days, and it's just a song about, you know, everyone has one of those, you know, days that nothing goes right and you're just having a shit ass day, but it's fucking hilarious and I love it. So here it is. <laughs> yeah, that one's a good one. Just, I like that one. It's just so good at like interweaving like things that aren't really that bad <laughs> and then things that are just horrible. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one though. <laughs> the like Nazis tied him up and covered him with ants, but the Cheetos are gone. That's really what's important. That's really what's the, the terrible part of this story. <laughs> uh <laughs> But let's uh, we'll skip over part of it, and then we'll get back. I want to play the end of the song because this is where things really just amp it up a notch. It's just one of those days where the whole world blows up. 
<laughs> oh, it's such a classic. God, I love that tune. Uh, this next one, this is also uh, one I really like. Um, <laughs> I can kind of like, I've never heard him talk about this song, but I can kind of tell, I'm guessing where he kind of, where the idea for this song came from. This is a song called Don't Wear Those Shoes. Um, and it's just basically about a guy who really, really doesn't want his wife or girlfriend to wear some specific shoes. And he's basically telling her all these other things she could do as long as she doesn't wear those shoes. <laughs> and it's just so great because I can totally see him just being like, it's one of those things that girls like will always ask, like, oh, should I wear these shoes? Or like, these shoes look okay? It's like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> But this is a guy who went the complete opposite way. <laughs> and he really, it really, really matters to him. <laughs> so here it is. It's not going. Nope. Damn you, scroll. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Take two. I've heard that one before, actually. That one's good. I like that song. Yeah, that's a classic. Oh, man. <laughs> you can even shove a six-inch railroad spike through my head. <laughs> uh, and the background singers just make Some it sound so much more epic and, <laughs> and important. <laughs> that she just doesn't wear those shoes. For the love of God. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm Good cool times. All right. Well, next up, this is definitely not my favorite genre. And by not my favorite, I mean dead last in my terms of genres. <laughs> but at least it's a parody oh. of an old school country song. So I guess that makes it somewhat better. Um, 
this is a little song called Good Enough for Now. And it's a love song. <laughs> Here it is. Uh. I know, right? <laughs> it's 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 really solid. <laughs> Just by taking all these, you know, typical love song things and adding qualifiers to it, you're like, well, yep. yeah, I, you know, you're okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna leave you ever until something better comes along. <laughs> That's so good. I like that song a lot. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Um, and then last but not least. Uh, a real humdinger. It's a little song, one of Weird Al's two Christmas songs, Christmas at Ground Zero. Oh, it's such a good song. Oh, it really is. <laughs> like, even if this song weren't funny, I'm convinced it would be a solid, you know, Christmas song. It really does have that classic Christmas song feel. Um, and it, it's, I don't know, I just, I love it. And yeah, the lyrics then just song. make it even even better. <laughs> yeah. God. Here it is. <laughs> I like I really like how like the air raid siren really does fit as like a good background instrument into this oh, happy Christmas music. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh genius. Here it is.
What a crazy fluke. We're going to get nuked. <laughs> the second song in this album that ends with nuclear war. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Classic. Classic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, I don't know how we do this. Do we just put the, you know, the last four in there? The first album only had one, and I'm sure there'll probably be some others that don't even have three. I'm not even against that because these are really good ones. Yeah, they really are. This is a solid batch. Like, honestly, this album, this was probably the first album where I was like, man, I like the originals probably more than I like the parodies on here. Yeah. This one's really good. Yeah, oh, this is definitely solid. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> okay. Cool beans. All right. Well, then our last major bit of business that we got to get into here is uh, the sad, sad news we got early this week uh, that Stanley, the great, you know, powerhouse behind Marvel Comics, um, passed away at the age of 95. And it's, it was one of those things that, like, everybody knew was coming sooner than later. And it seemed like, especially this last year, like, every story you heard pointed towards him not being in good health. But it still just, it, it hurt when it actually happened. It was, it was definitely a, a blow. Cause it just kind of felt like he's made it this long. Maybe he'll just keep going. <laughs> he'll just live forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> just cause no one's done it yet. Doesn't mean they can't. <laughs> Well, I guess you've got a point. <laughs> oh, my to judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is pretty sad. Uh, definitely. I mean, like you said, it was kind of expected. It was going to happen one way or another. Um, it was getting up there in age, but it was just mostly just a matter of time. And it is sad to see somebody yeah. go after, but I mean... It's, it's definitely a bummer because he seemed like even as old as he was, like he still seemed with it. Like when he would be interviewed and stuff like that, like he always seemed very sharp and he always just seemed to be, you know, classic old Stan. Like he just seemed very together for a man of that age. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Yeah, it's, it's just I mean, a bummer because he's bummer. won't get any more cameos in the Marvel movies at a certain point now. I know they did film a whole bunch in advance for some of these things, so hopefully we'll still get him for a good while. But it's just sad that he didn't, you know, didn't get to keep going. But I'm gl- definitely glad um, that he made it to see the point where Marvel has at, has reached right now, where they're basically like the pinnacle of the movie industry. <laughs> Like, they're kind of making yeah, the most money true. out um, of anybody. I think that that's something to be said, because, I mean, I I don't think, like, I mean, comics have always been kind of big, I guess you could say, but it wasn't like what it is now. Like, people look at comics now and it's yeah. like, wow, it's, it, it, it's a different age. It really is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's true. Like back in the day, I mean, when he first started, especially like comics were looked at, he, he would say it all the time in interviews, like people looked at comics as though they were for little kids or people who were, you know, not very smart, <laughs> like really stupid. And I'm like, wow, yeah. like it's, it's really changed. Like it's now kind of become the backbone of this industry and like liking nerdy stuff like that is cool. And that's all kind of happened in his lifetime. And He's been a, a huge part of that. Like, his work has been responsible for so much of this change. Like, and he was the guy, like, more so than anybody else in the comics, the comic book industry. Like, there are other people who, you know, people like that read comics, but I don't think there's anybody else in comics who, if you aren't, like, a comic book reader, that you would know. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's Jim Lee, or, like, that's Frank Miller over there. Like, nobody fucking knows who they are or what they look like. <laughs> but Stan yeah. Lee has always been out there, like, in the public, being the face of comic books, essentially. Not even just Marvel stuff. He's just always been the the guy who was always out there, always stumping for him, always trying to move it forward. And it's just it's an amazing thing that that people who, you know, have never read a comic book in their lives know this man and they can tell him on site, like, oh, that's Stan Lee. They look for his cameos because they're like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. Oh, man, it's just... He he did change a lot of stuff. And I'm glad that he stuck around this long to see how everything changed and uh, made it to what it is today because, I mean, it is just... it is No pun intended, it's a marvel, honestly, because... It, it's yeah. not like how it was back back then. Um, not at all. For the nerds and stuff like that, where it's now pretty much pop culture. Like, everybody's into it. The crazy thing is, like, when he started doing all the Marvel stuff, when it was still Timely Comics uh, right before it became Marvel, like, superhero comics had pretty much died (laughs) like they were pretty much gone like i think dc was publishing you know justice society maybe or possibly the first justice league but that was about it really the whole industry of comic books was pretty much dying and it was all like romance comics and like uh, i think army comics maybe westerns that kind of thing which probably wasn't going to sustain itself (laughs) Um, especially since like i said they were kind of written for children and they never, you know, really did anything interesting. And in fact, like they, every story was pretty much self-contained because they were like, oh, the kids aren't going to remember what happened before. So they're just going to be, you know, everything, every issue is a one-off type thing. Whereas Stan Lee came in and started doing his stuff and he made not, he made an entire universe where all the books were set in the same universe and they could all, characters could all interact. Like each issue would lead someone into the next issue. I mean, there wasn't necessarily like every issue was like a cliffhanger, but there would be things that happened in prior issues that would matter in the next issue. Like that was all something that he kind of started. Like people, for some reason, it seems like an obvious thing to do, but people weren't doing it at the time. He was the one who was just kind of like, I'm just going to fucking do this <laughs> because it makes sense. That's and it can actually enough. tell better stories. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Like before him, like, like superheroes all kind of had the same personality. They were just kind of, you know, hero man <laughs> who are, you know, square jawed and kind of, you know, I'm going to do the right thing. Whereas he came in and he started doing the Marvel books, like Fantastic Four was the first one, and like the Hulk and eventually Spider-Man and all those kind of things. 
and they all had flaws. Like they all were written like actual people, like people who had real problems, not just in the costume life, but in their personal lives. And they had, you know, personal issues to work through and this kind of stuff. And like, and this kind of thing just wasn't done at the time. And it all basically started because he was, he was so fed up with doing things the old way that he was going to quit. Like he was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't keep doing this. So he was basically going to quit timely comics. And, but his wife was like, well, if you're going to quit anyway, like, why don't you just do one of the books, like the way you'd want to do it. And you know, then if they want to fire you, then whatever, you're going to quit anyway. <laughs> and yeah. he was like, all right. So that's how he came up with the fantastic four put out the first issue and people immediately kind of took to it and they kept building and building and it took off like pretty much immediately <laughs> and people really responded was to it. And so he just kept going. What? Was that the first thing he did was fantastic four? Um, the first of like the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Like he had worked, I think he had shame. worked on Captain America back in, during the war. Um, like Joe Simon and somebody else created Captain America, but then like they, you know, kind of left. And so Stan was like the only person working in the office. So he ended up writing a lot of stuff. So he did write some Captain Americas back then, but yeah, by the time, then after the war, like Captain America kind of went away and it wasn't until 1961, I believe with the Fantastic Four when, uh, that was the first one that he started as far as like the Marvel universe. That's where it all began. Dang. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What a like, it, it's, and it was kind of revolutionary, like the way he did it, because like I said, there's they all had flaws and and problems. Like Reed Richards was really smart and stuff, but he would get so focused on being smart and doing science that he would kind of neglect everyone else that he cared about. And Sue Storm was just kind of well, she kind of I forget what exactly. I don't know how much about her back in that day, other than she was just kind of lady. <laughs> 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 who had a thing for Reed, but she was always ignoring him, or he was always ignoring her. Um, the thing, obviously, like, he couldn't turn back into his human form, so he was just kind of stuck being a monster, which obviously led to a lot of, you know, pathos and that kind of thing. And then he had this, like, adversarial relationship with the Human Torch, where, like, this young kid was always giving him shit, and they would always fight. And he was just like, yeah, this is good stuff. And it it was, like, this was revolutionary shit at the time. Huh. So crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, though. Nuts, but cool. And then like, he started doing other things, you know, the Hulk and stuff and Iron Man. Like, <laughs> I heard him talking about Iron Man where he's just like, yeah, like, I wanted to do, so, like, really stretch my muscles a little bit. So I was like, who do people really hate? Like rich people who got rich, you know, selling ammunitions for wartime. They don't seem to like that. Like that's everything people are against in these like hippie times. So I'm going to make a character like that, but make people actually like him. And it fucking worked. <laughs> he fucking pulled it off. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. That's cool though, man. God damn. So great. It really is. Like he... it's crazy the amount of things he invented. Like, not even just all the superheroes that he invented, but, like, the whole, you know, all the the villains he created, which are most probably of the major villains, (laughs) a large percentage at least. Like, when it comes to, like, Spider-Man, he invented pretty much all of the major villains, except for, like, Venom and Carnage, who came later. 
or like the Hobgoblin, but he was just a ripoff of the Green Goblin, which Stan did create. So it's like, well, oh. he, I mean, <laughs> he did so much of that. Like all the supporting characters, like you know and love, like pretty much those are Stan Lee characters. Um, the universe itself, like just the countries like of Latveria or Wakanda or stuff like that, or the alien races like the Skrulls and the Kree and all that kind of shit, or just the organizations like S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA and all that stuff. Like that was all Stan Lee. <laughs> That's nuts, though. It really is. That's like It's amazing the amount of things he was able to do in those like probably 10 years or so. It's just nuts. Damn. I can't think of anybody else who was that prolific in the you know, sheer amount of characters and things they were able to create. Like even if you look Man. at DC, like DC has a lot of great characters and stuff like that, but none of them were like linked at the beginning and they were all pretty much created by different people. Like there was no one unifying force who was kind of responsible for, you know, the creation of the DC universe. Like there was nothing like that there. It was all just kind of like, you know, Bob Kane and Bill Finger created Batman and like Siegel and Schuster created Superman. They were all just kind of meant to be these individual things that just kind of eventually wound up together. Damn. So cool. Yeah, he's a good dude. He just seems – and, like, one of the greatest things he did in those days was, like, he loved just having fun and, like, goofing around and shit. Like, he didn't take things too serious. Like, he could write some very serious stories. Like, don't get me wrong, there there certainly were plenty of those. But he would always have, like, fun while doing it. Like, he would – they'd have, like, the, you know, the opening page where they show the, the – here's the writer's name and the penciler's name and the fucking inker's name and all that shit. He would give everybody, like, nicknames. Like, he'd be Smiling Stan Lee and Jazzy Jack Rem- or John Romita and shit like that. He was like, yeah, I think he hated that one. He's like, oh, I know he hated that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be like little, you know, the little boxes would be like C issue four or whatever. And it would be like sub- science smiling stand and stuff like that. <laughs> and he would like always like answer all the letter columns like all himself and like put little funny jokes in there and like, um, he had this whole article thing, like this thing called Stan's Soapbox, where like every month he would have like this article basically that he wrote where he was just kind of goofing around and having fun and giving people a status update and shit like that. And just really making like the people who created comics seem like real people that people wanted to get invested in, like so that you would know their names and like actually want, like care about them. Like he was putting out records. Like if you joined, like there was this thing called the Mary Marvel Marching Society. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know what that name meant. We never marched anywhere. There was no marching. <laughs> it was just a fun-sounding name. <laughs> and, like, if you joined, like, he would send you this, like, uh, little record where it would, like, play just the people around the office goofing around and having a good time and shit, trying to bust each other's chops. And I'm just like, God damn, like, this is stuff that, like, nobody was doing back then. <laughs> he just says having so much fun doing all this stuff. In uh, uh so cool, in the letter pages, <laughs> a lot of people write in letters like, "Oh, you know, like you you must you made a mistake here. Like you called the character, you know, Bobby Banner instead of Bruce Banner on this page," and he would be like, "Oh, congratulations, you've won yourself a no prize." <laughs> and apparently, that was he would actually like send them a like a, a an envelope, just a plain envelope with nothing inside. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and that was their no prize. <laughs> it's like it's in the name, no prize. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> it was all like that, and it just makes you like the guy so much more. Like he was so far ahead of his time in that in that way. Yeah. And all he would like goof around, like even with the DC guys, who apparently like he was actually like really good friends with. Apparently, like Marvel and DC, even back in those days, were like right across the street from each other. And so he would like him and the Marvel guys would have lunch with the DC guys like all the time. And like they would go out and like have you know, have lunch together and talk, you know, shop a little bit. And uh, like at this point, Marvel was like you know the hot thing that everybody loved and DC books were just not selling. So DC was always like trying to figure out what Stan was doing that made people love him so much. And they would kept learning like the wrong lessons. They would be like, he would hear like somebody would tell him like, or he would overhear, you know, that, Oh, Marvel comics have a lot of red in their covers. That's probably why they're selling so much. So he would be like, for the next (laughs) couple of months, I put no red on the covers. (laughs) Just to drive them crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like oh that's hilarious oh, <laughs> oh it's pretty awesome I'd always call them like the distinguished competition cool. in the letter pages <laughs> like that's what DC stands for the distinguished competition <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Weird. Which is cool. It's like it's like giving them a fun nickname, but it's not even really like an insult. It's not like he's like talking shit about them. Really, he's just kind of calling them the distinguished competition. That's actually a good thing. But <laughs> he's just goofing around yeah. and having a good time about it. Wow, oh, that's cool. It's <laughs> funny though. <laughs> Oh, and you know how uh, like a lot, especially like those early Marvel characters, they all have the uh, the very alliterative names where like the names start and end with or at the first name and last name start with the same letter, like Peter Parker and Matt Murdock, uh, you know Stephen yeah. Strange, all those kind of things. Like apparently that was because he's like, I got a, like a really shit memory, <laughs> so it'd make it easier for me to try to remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much the only reason I did that. That's <laughs> like, great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> He's like, well, I can remember one name, then I could have a better chance of remembering the other one. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Such a good dude. Uh, he he was yeah, married to like sure. the same woman, the the uh, his wife Joan, like who obviously they had been together even before he started doing the Fantastic Four, and she was the one who talked him into doing all that stuff. Like he was married to her forever. Like she just died recently, and like they were apparently just like so in love, like every minute of every day. Like they like Kevin Smith would tell stories about seeing them together, and he was just like like it was just amazing to actually witness. Like these two were like inseparable and like they clearly like loved each other and like it was fucking nuts which is just good good to know that he had that yeah yeah for sure 
So it just seems like he had a great, great yeah. life. And I mean, the, uh, I saw the thing is they're probably happy together now, and that's the cool thing. And, it, it, and I'm sure it was extremely hard for him after, you know, she died, and that's got to be extremely yeah. hard for everybody. So. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of the people who were supposed to be kind of taking care of him after his wife died weren't really doing that. Like, a lot of s- stories came out in the last year about people just fucking dicking him over. Um, I think somebody had, like, stolen vials of his blood and, like, used it in ink for, like, their comic books and shit like that. It's like, oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's, like, nurses. They put him in some shitty nursing home that was, like, abusing him or, or something at one point. So it just seems like this last year has been kind of, you know, downhill. Like, Kevin Smith was trying to get a hold of him at one point, and he, like, couldn't. He said, he's just like, whoever was, like, taking care of him, like, wouldn't let me talk to him and shit. Because they were just fucking, you know, taking advantage of him, basically. But apparently, this broke my heart. Like, um, Kevin Smith was talking on one of his shows this week, and apparently last Friday... Um, he had gotten some kind of a call saying, Hey, uh, Stan wants to see you. And Kevin's like, Oh yeah, you know, let's do it next week. Um, I'm open anytime next week. Let's get it, let's get it on the books. Um, and then, so they did, but then he died before, before it came. And I was like, Oh, Dang. Fuck. that sucks. That's sad. Yeah. Damn. I wish, I wish it could have lasted a little longer. Because those guys, I mean, those were, two were so close, it sounds like. Um, I guess at one point, like, they they had done a lot of things since Mallrats together, different uh, shows and stuff. And uh, at one point, apparently, um, Stan Lee's, like, bodyguard guy, like, the guy who kind of gets him to shows and does all that kind of stuff for him, his, his assistant, had said to Kevin Smith, like, uh, while Stan was on stage, like, you know, he loves you, right? Like, you're like he thinks of you like a son. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> It's so Jesus. it's so nice that like that this guy who was just a comic book fan like me basically like got to actually become friends with Stan Lee and got to be close with him. Like I feel so bad for him that he's got to go through this loss now. Considering uh, between him, I mean Kevin Smith and Stan Lee are probably my two favorite celebrities on the planet. So it's been a <laughs> damn it's been a tough week. Like, if we would have lost Kevin Smith this year to that heart attack, and then Stan Lee died in the same year, <laughs> there's, like, no way I would still be here. <laughs> yeah. God, don't say that. Can't say that. <laughs> but, yeah, craziness. Crazy, Damn. Just craziness. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> for sure. Kevin Smith did have a great story. Like, Stan just always had little uh, zingers ready to go, it seems like. Like, they were doing a poetry reading at uh, at Kevin Smith's house before for, like, a fundraiser for his kid's school. And a lot of famous people came to read poetry and that kind of stuff. Stan Lee was one of them, uh, as was Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols, which is weird, <laughs> but pretty cool. Um And so, like, they were, ha- they, uh, were having a conversation, I guess, at one point, and uh, – Stanley goes over to Johnny Rod and he's like, what are you doing dressed like this? Like, this isn't how a man dresses. <laughs> you should wear a suit and a tie to read poetry. Look at me. I'm wearing this nice sweater. <laughs> and like Johnny Ryan's just like, what the fuck, old man? 
<laughs> like, do you know, you know who you're talking to? Uh, I'm rotten. And Stan Lee's just like, yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just always had them zingers ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rotten. Oh, I could have told you that just by how you're dressed. Oh, man. Good times. Do you remember? Indeed. I was trying to think because somebody had mentioned this on a show this week, and I was trying to think of when the first time I became aware of Stan Lee was. Do you remember, like, when you first actually, like, knew, like, oh, Stan Lee is this person? Like, when he first appeared into your life? Duh, Mallrats. Yeah. That's true. That's a good one. That was was a really good. (laughs) I think the first one I remember was probably when I was getting into the X-Men animated series before I won the ones, like the whole first season on uh, VHS, they had like a couple episodes of the show in like these special black boxes that you could buy at Pizza Hut, I think. <laughs> it was like the, the oh. pilot and like the second episode, and you could buy them at Pizza Hut. And so I, we, I had my mom get them for me. And on those videos, like those VHS tapes at the beginning, there was like a whole interview with like Stan Lee talking to, I think, some of the current X-Men writers about like the X-Men and that kind of thing. So I think that's probably the first time I uh, remember, like, knowing who Stan Lee was. But that Mallrats cameo huh. is, is one of the greatest things he's ever done. Like, that's some brilliant work. <laughs> and apparently, Kevin Smith was telling the story where, uh, like, Stan goes walking off, you know, and then he gives his line about, like, I'd give it all up to have just one more day with her. And then he, like, walks off in the other, uh, the opposite direction of the way he was going. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Mosher was like, oh, should we tell him to do it again? Kevin Smith was like, no, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I never even noticed that, but I'm going to have to look for that next time I watch that movie. <laughs> oh, my God, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And apparently, like, that whole scene where he were, like, you know, at the end, how he kind of talks to T.S. and he's like, uh, you think he bought it and all that stuff? Like, that was added in basically at Stan's request because Stan didn't want to do a scene where he was talking about some girl that got away and all this stuff because he's like, there was no girl that got away. Like, I got the girl that I always wanted. And I don't want to make her feel bad, but there's, like, some, you know, other girl girl. in my past or something like that, so... Yeah, so he's like, you got to add a scene like where uh, where I say it was all a joke, and Kevin Smith's like, all right, done. <laughs> I'm like, that's just such a sweet move. <laughs> he's always hilarious. looking out for his wife's like feelings. That's fucking great. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, he just seemed like an all around good dude. Damn. So good. I mean, I can't think of anybody whose like work has impacted my life more. Like, I've obviously been reading comic books since probably 1994-ish. I want to say. 
and pretty much hmm. all you yeah. know Marvel Jeez. straight on through. So it's it's crazy to think of how you know the the amount of impact this guy's had on my life. Oh, I know, man. Fucking nuts. You're the only person that knows who reads so many comics. And when I heard that Stan Lee died, <laughs> it was very like, oh shit. And you're the one who told me too. I didn't even know he died. Like, yeah. Oh, and then on Facebook, it's just like everybody was talking about. It. I was like, oh my god. Like it just felt bad for you because I know that he has left such an impact on your life and pretty much your main hobby, which is just nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking nuts that, like, there was this one central figure in all of comic books, kind of, because he, like I said, he was, he was the focal point. Like, he was the person everybody knows, and he was the one always out there advocating for comics. Like, even, like, the late 60s when that, like, Wortham guy was talking about, like, oh, comic books are bad, and, like, they're warping your children's mind and all this stuff, and, like, Stanley would just, like, debate him and just take the piss out of him every fucking second. And just, like, completely shut down every argument he possibly had. <laughs> Damn. It's just he was always he was always doing his part. And, uh, like, he, he took some stands, like, back then, too. Like, um, there was a whole issue where, like, at that when that guy was doing all that stuff, they invented this thing called the Comics Code, where, like, you had to get this stamp on your book to be like, oh, the Comics Authority approved this. There's nothing objectionable in it. And uh, he wanted to do a storyline where Harry Osborne was addicted to drugs, and it was, like, you know, messing up his life and shit like that. And they're like, oh, no, no, you can't have drugs in there. That's, that's not appropriate for children. And Stan was just like, um, well, it's a real, like, problem that's facing children, so um, we're fucking doing it, and, like, if we just don't get the stamp, then we just don't get the stamp. Like, I'm just going to publish it anyway. I don't care. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. He was, he was nuts. He was maverick. He was maverick. But yeah. Good. He was he was a good dude. And he'll he'll greatly be missed. Yeah, for sure, man. Fucking for sure. Oh, do. That's all right. We can't well, we can't be down on it. Somebody said this the other day, and I yeah. thought it was a really good point. He, it's been he's 95 years old, and all the stuff that he did, this isn't something he should be down on. Just celebrate these moments, because good God, this guy lived forever. Lived forever, That's true. and honestly, he will continue to live forever, because the Marvel will not stop being Marvel. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> I hope not anyway. It sure seems like they the comics at least are trying to like drive themselves out of business by <laughs> publishing stuff no one wants to read. <laughs> so I hope they knock that off. Yeah, me too, cuz that would be stupid. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> same. Good times. So, you have any uh board games you wanted to uh talk about? Um Maybe. Oh, you should tell them the story of Keyforge. Yeah, so Keyforge is a new game. Yeah, so Keyforge is a brand new card game that came out. So there's a, a designer named Richard Garfield. He is known most for his creation of Magic the Gathering. 
he is the guy who made that game that has probably made him millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, but just recently, he just he, and you know between then and now, he's made a few other like board games that have done really well. And uh, but he's never really dabbled with card games again. But even back then, after, just after he made Magic, he had this idea of uh, everybody when they would buy a deck of cards, they would be completely different. It'd be very unique to that person. But back then, they didn't have the technology to do it. But now, here we are in 2018 apparently with that technology, and that's what he has created. Um, he made this game called Keyforge in which you buy a deck of cards, and then I buy a deck of cards, and no two decks of cards will ever, ever, ever be the same. Even if, like, they're almost identical, but I have maybe a couple cards different than you. Um, but more specifically, on the backs of the, the cards, or, the, you know, the backs of the deck, um, they're they're unique, which means um, my back of the cards, not only is the name of the deck different than yours, but also the picture on the back of every single card is different than yours. So everything's completely That's different. That's crazy. So um, I know, it's nuts. Uh, but they use this algorithm that not only helps balance every deck out, but also creates the names and generates these names and generates these pictures and just before the game released, they announced that 0.5% of the decks that have been released are, uh, I, I don't remember the exact using, uh, exact usage of the words that they use, <laughs> but it's either being offensive or something in that, or dirty, something something in those lines. Somehow inappropriate. So they, uh, yeah, inappropriate. There we go. That's a good word. So... Um, Word is out, and some of the pictures I haven't gone on there recently, but out of the three that I've seen, because a lot of people are just now getting decks so they can try to figure out if they can get the ones that are dirty or offensive or inappropriate. So um, I went on a thread the other day, and the first one that I saw was uh, the deck was named something something Farmer of Racism. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that." It's weird that they would even include the word racism in their algorithm, but okay. Uh, I got to say, though, that doesn't sound offensive to me. It's not actually being racist to just say the word racism. I don't think... Otherwise, don't think every newspaper is was talking about. racist. I, yeah, I don't think that that was one of the uh, actual ones that were bad, but I think that that's where it starts, right? Because the word racism is on there, and so people are like, oh... That's probably racist, maybe. But so then, um, so then they move on to the next one, which I thought was pretty funny. The next one I saw was Wang suddenly bruised, and I said, "Oh <laughs> God, that's great! I love that name. That's such a great name for a deck." But then this one, the last one I saw, really takes the cake. The emperor who pays for boys. I was like, there is no way. That's the name of the deck, but the guy had pictures and everything. I was like, oh, my God. And and it's not like you could just hide it because on, on the front of the cards, at the very bottom, that way you can kind of individualize your deck because you can't interchange your, your cards. There's no deck building in this game. It's this is your deck. Learn how to use it. Do the best you can to try to understand your deck. And that's what Richard Garfield was trying to do was so everybody would have their deck and they couldn't interchange the cards. 
So on the front of every single card, it also has the name of your deck, so it's not like you can hide the back, because on the front of that card, it's also going to say the emperor who pays for boys. And that's so great. It's so great, it really and I is. love it. That really just makes this whole game for me. Like, now I want to oh, just man. buy them all. I know. Uh, it's so good, but... Yeah, so basically it's a game where you just get your deck of cards and the idea of the game is to uh, forge these keys. Uh, there's three keys that you got to make. It's not really like a fighting game. There is fighting in it to try to stop your uh, opponent from uh, getting gaining this amber. And once you get six amber, you're able to forge a key. So there is a little bit of fighting in it, but they're really, I mean, it is mostly just the idea of forging these keys. And it's fun, but it's way longer than I thought it was going to be. I think I've only played it once, and I really? thought that the game would maybe take about 30 minutes, if that. I mean, me and my buddy were playing this game an hour and 20 minutes, this one small card game. <laughs> it just kept going on and on and on and on and on. And it was fun, though. It never seemed like it was like, – well, I mean, there was parts where I was like, oh, fuck, I, I almost want to just, like, throw the game in just so I could say that we've completed a game, but I was like, no, no, no. The, some of the card abilities are so like big. It's just like, uh, and my two decks that I have that we were playing with were so balanced. Like he had a deck that just allowed him to just keep putting so many guys out there and just doing a, like building this army. But I had the deck that just took everything away. <laughs> like there were, I have one card <laughs> that said, destroy all of your, uh, destroy everything on the field. So I never really had too many creatures on the field, but he had an army, so I would just destroy all everything continuously. It was just great. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I really liked the game. It just there was a lot well, of that's good. As long as it's fun, it doesn't matter if it takes forever. As long as it's a good hour and a half. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. That was it. Was a good time though. I had fun with it. That's good. And there's the game. With names like that, yeah. that means you definitely have to go out and buy some. Hope you get lucky. Oh, I know, dude. You have to give it a shot. It's super. It's <laughs> it's a good game, but names like that just really just really do it. <laughs> That's pretty awesome for boys. <laughs> yeah. That's about good. all the board games I got. I mean, I played a new one last night, but it's kind of boring to try to even, even attempt to even talk about right now. So, uh, but it was a good game as well. Oh. I really liked it. Uh, it's called it's called Castles of Burgundy. If anybody actually listens to this and wants to play board games, it's kind of like a point salad game where like almost everything you're doing, you're just gaining more and more points. Then the person at the end of the game who has the most points wins the game. So you're just trying to get more points than everybody else. Good, Where does Ron Burgundy come in? I've said that many times last night. Many times. <laughs> yes. I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> you got to. If every game had Ron Burgundy in it, I would buy them all. <laughs> Maybe not all of them. They would get old eventually. I think we probably would have said that in Ninja Turtles back in the day. I just keep pooping Ninja Turtles games out. <laughs> and they were all amazing, every one of them. Not even the ones that we've played. Or they, they just came out with another one called like 
Ninja Turtles Showdown. I was like, fuck, man, I almost want to get it, but why? There's too many that are coming out. <laughs> it's just leaking You've out heard of the me too many times before. <laughs> just leaking out of our butts. <laughs> All righty. Well, I think that might be close to being it. Closing time. Well, I think this has been another amazing episode from the old-fashioned original Jankers. I'm Peter Jank. That's Kevin Jank. And as always, remember to flip that and have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. Mm -hmm.